It's the Sagabit Swinging Report Show. Get ready for Saga news and commentary with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and uh, welcome to the 63rd episode of the Swinging Report Show. I'm your host, George, and with me is the team behind... Alicia and Shadows. And uh, introduce yourselves. Tell us what you guys do in, on the team. All right. Uh, first up, I'm Falco Gurgis. I'm the lead engine programmer and toolkit programmer. Not really lead, because like, I'm the engine and toolkit programmer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I do for ES, and uh, I'm also the lead YouTube whore right now, working on uh, marketing and promotion there. My name is Tyler Rogers. I... Uh design gameplay. Um, I guess the title is a lead gameplay engineer. Um, do a ton of well, Lewis we're all lead, dude. Like this whole yeah, I mean, I'm highly specialized. Highly <laughs> specialized in our respective departments. Um, really, I, I take uh, like the assets from uh, Connor, our sound guy, and Patrick, our artist, and um, Andrew, and then really bring it all together and, and kind of make it into the cohesive vision we've got for, for the story that we want to tell. Uh, nice. My name is uh, Connor Linning. I'm the soundtrack composer and the sound effects dude. And I guess I'm the lead soundtrack composer since it's only me. <laughs> I, um, Daniel, I'm primarily the web developer, but I do uh, level design lately, helping Tyler, um, Patrick, and the rest of the art team kind of fill in the blanks, bring things together, and see what works, what doesn't. And I'm also the lead level designer. <laughs> Every, everybody's the lead in the team, right? Hey, that's the best yeah. part about like having your own company and team, dude. Like, what they do you want your title them. to be today? That's <laughs> nice. I would call myself Supreme Commander level designer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a little bit above. That's um, idea. Good idea. Usually, when we have the show, we like to talk about what we've been playing. So, if you guys want to talk about what you guys been playing, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll start off then. Um, Unfortunately, man, I've been so busy, I haven't been playing a whole lot, but I, um, Tyler and I picked up uh, a new 3DS game the other day called Bravely Default. It's like, uh, it's a new Square Enix RPG made in the style of, like, the older Final Fantasy games. It's, it's kind of more like Final Fantasy IX, I would say. And we've been playing through that, and, man, it's really cool. We, pretty awesome. we, we've kind of been doing, like, research on it for, for Elysian Shadows. That's... Like, we, we are not capable of playing RPGs now without just psychoanalyzing and dissecting the shit out of them, like, writing lists, like, oh, we like this, we don't like this, so it's, it's more like work, but it, it's a fun game. <laughs> so what did you guys dislike about the game? Uh, honestly, I, I'm not a fan of overworlds like they do it. I, I, I think mm -hmm. that it breaks a lot of the immersion when, like, you're in a town, you know, and, like, you're seeing, like, the world in one perspective, and, and it, it's vast, you know, in a town, and you can explore, you know, and then you leave the town, and you're, like, this big-ass character on, like, this bland overworld, you know, where you just walk to the next town. I, yeah. I feel like that, that takes a lot away from, like, potential for exploration, and that, that's a huge thing that we wanted to do in ES. So, so we're very against overworlds. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, you can't really go inside their shops either. Like, uh, even though like some of the cities are kind of bigger and sprawling, like there's very few buildings you can actually go inside and look around in. Um, granted, they do have some things that, like you can walk up, like inspect or like find hidden items and stuff. But it's nowhere near the level like uh, some games. Like, I mean, even Pokemon or like uh, 
Dragon Quest and stuff like that used to do that you're used to. I mean, the shops are simply a, a menu, and it's on the top screen, so you can't use the bottom screen to uh, to like touch through everything, even though all the combat takes place in the bottom screen for touch. So it's a little strange, but it, it's still a good game. I love the story. Um, I mean, it, it hits you right in the feels. Feels. <laughs> How about you, uh, Connor? What have you been playing? Uh, last night I beat around the Resident Evil Director's Cut and uh, pretty much just always playing Resident Evil and Silent Hill and other survival horror titles like Galarian's, Martian Gothic. Pretty much that's it. Always. That's all he ever does. <laughs> it's literally survival horror. <laughs> and Sonic. What about you, Daniel? What have you been playing? Uh, Zelda Link Between Worlds on the 3DS mainly and Secrets of Mana for Research. Oh, dude! I didn't know you were playing a, a Link Between Worlds. That's a, dude. That's another one we were researching for ES. Oh, like, there's yeah. a, it's there's a lot of good stuff in there, man. Pay attention to the shaders. We want to like, we want to be better than them. levels. Yeah. Sorry. In uh, Tyler, I'm assuming you're playing. What are you playing? I was playing a Bravely Default. Um, it was whenever I get time. I've uh, it's actually in the Wildstar beta this entire time, and it's finally released, and I have not logged in. Like, I have not had time to sit down and get into that at all. Um, I mean, I've, I've always been a fan of like MMOs and RPGs like that, but really a handheld like Bravely Default is about the only thing I really have time for. No, that's cool, that's just, cool. Just just because you guys are mentioning you're playing games for research, just to tip some Elysian Shadows fans off a little bit, my games I'm playing are also a little bit for research, and that'll just, uh, oh, oh. just just a little tip. Oh. Well, like Resident Evil games. Yes, actually, yes, yes. Believe it or not, yes. Uh, the music for the music or for the gameplay? I'll, we'll just leave that wide open. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's just say that we we have been open about being influenced in some aspects of the game by the survival horror genre. Okay, I like that. I like that. I was gonna say, um, I'm playing. I just beat Hotline Miami, which is like just like a death killing game. You just die over and over again. And I've been playing Ducktales Remastered, and I recently bought. I think I said uh, RPG Maker VX Ace, and uh, I don't know how to use it. I don't know. I just bought it, and uh, now that's it. That's all I've been playing. All right, so we could start. Oh, gone? No, I was at, how's RPG Maker? I have no idea, dude. I've used it for like maybe <laughs> 20 minutes, and all I got done was like a guy in the middle of the map and like a dick map, and then you go and talk to him, and he just says, hey, what's going on? That's it. That's the, so, it's your hello world for for RPG Maker. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, dude, I'm already going to start my Kickstarter soon for my <laughs> game. Dude, also, it's uh, Dick Island. <laughs> it's be a dick we'll promote island. you on all the ES pages, like yeah, retweet everything. How about that? <laughs> um, oh, I was gonna say, tell us about your game. How did this game come about? Who wants to kick that one off? Well, it has to be either you or Tyler. All right. Uh, so, uh, Elysian Shadows is basically a 16-bit a, a old-school 2D RPG influenced game. We were. We were influenced by things like uh, games like Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, Fantasy Star, like like the the great Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo RPGs from like our childhood, and and it actually began as a, as an old school RPG. And as we were designing this game, we had like we we just like had more and more ideas for the game. We had 
uh, we wanted Great to do like, yeah, yeah, like more things with the graphics that the, the games like that didn't have. We wanted to do more things with audio, and and it really took off to where like we realized this is no longer like an old school two D RPG. So like we we rebranded ourselves now. Like I'm sure you've noticed as a next gen two D RPG slash three D now. So so yes. what we do is is we're we're still using like pixel art for the the art. I'll let Connor talk about audio in a minute. And uh, we're also using uh, advanced rendering techniques. We have things like uh, dynamic lighting, uh, omnidirectional dynamic shadows, normal mapping and bump mapping, specular mapping. I mean, like, advanced things that you see in, like, oh, modern and next-generation games. Yeah, particle physics, rigid bodies, in, in an old-school 2D RPG kind of game. So, like, what we're trying to do is we're really trying to take the genre to the next level, like, push the boundaries of pixel art, like, do things that people have never seen to try and make this, this, like, genre, you know, that we all grew up, like, knowing and loving that is, like, the 2D JRPG, you know, and just take it to the next level. That's, but that's what ES is about. It's also not turn-based, though. Um, really, the, the best way that we found to, to kind of describe what the gameplay is actually like is, uh, like, Secret of Mana meets kind of God of War for the combat. Um, right. It's very, very fluid, very action-oriented, um, but you do have uh, like a lot of old-school abilities that you would expect, like you know, magic and swords and all kinds of different unique abilities for like your uh, character's classes and stuff. Right. Connor, you you want to tell me like how we're how kind of like how we're fusing the old and new with the audio, like in like you know next-gen 2D RPG? Yeah. Well, when like uh, like Chrono Trigger, I'll I'll just talk about that because that's the best and. Uh, <laughs> The composer You're saying that on a Sega <laughs> podcast. That's oh, all right. I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Chrono Trigger. Okay. Well, uh, uh, when they made that music, they're limited to what the Super Nintendo could do, right? And so now that we're in 2014, there's no limits to what I can do with the soundtrack. So what we're doing is we're. <laughs> hey man, it's, it's just it's just the times, and uh, I can take anything I want, but what I want to do is I also want to take the Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, uh, synthesizers, equipment, and I want to mix the old with the new, the same way that our graphics have that old school feel, but like Kyle was saying, the lighting, the physics is all like new and improved and big. And so the soundtrack is supposed to complement the old with the new, and then also all my previous stuff I've done before this, I've never done fantasy kind of stuff before. I did heavy metal, I did horror music, dance music, so it's not just going to be a game soundtrack by a game soundtrack composer, it's going to be like this dude with all this other influence trying to make uh, a cool fantasy soundtrack, so it's going to be different and uh, interesting. It's been beautiful so far, man. Connor's a fucking yeah. rock star is what he's trying to say. Yeah, it's what he is. <laughs> he's the residential rock star. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was just basically saying, you know all that nerd shit? I don't deal with that shit. I, I, I make music with art. I like it, I like it. I was going to say, um, I've been reading a lot about you guys, and uh, one of the things I've noticed on sites is none of nobody, like, everybody's shocked that you guys are making a Dreamcast game. Oh, man, it is, it is so yeah. funny, man. Everyone, like... There are a lot of, uh, there have been several, like, indie Dreamcast games lately, but, like, not to, like, toot our own horn, like, I feel like we're one of the few that have really, like, started to become mainstream, like, like, the other day we were on IndieGames.com, you know, which is huge, like, 
half of these motherfuckers had no idea that like it, publishing something on a Dreamcast was even physically possible in this last decade, and they're just like, what the like, these motherfuckers are crazy. It's like, it, it's just been, it's been rewarding for us, you know, because we, we've been able to, like, introduce people to, like, this Dreamcast homebrew scene and, like, this entire dimension of this console that they thought was just long gone, you know, and they're like, holy shit. And it, it's also been, like, valuable press, you know, because, like, as much as we don't like to be... We, we don't like people to cover us just because we're a Dreamcast RPG, but a lot of them do. Just like, holy crap, a new game for the Dreamcast. So, at least that. It also, it also kind of kind of keeps us grounded because the root of the project stemmed from the Dreamcast. So when we're making choices about where to go with a game, we're thinking of like our favorite Dreamcast game, and we want to do it yeah. right. So right. it's not like we're tempted by all the modern stuff to go in these weird directions or anything like that. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think it's crazy that, like, I mean, I wouldn't be covering or doing this podcast if it wasn't for the Dreamcast version. Oh, yeah, because yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, very much, it's very much ingrained in us. Like, I, I don't know if you knew, but, like, the, the game and engine began as a Dreamcast-only project. Like, it, that's, that's really how it all started. That's, like, how it was birthed, like, conceived. And, like, even, even when we added, you know, like advanced lighting and shit, like, we've always been committed to, like, no, we're bringing this game to the fucking Dreamcast. This is a Dreamcast title. So, tell us about the tell us about the time you decided it was going to be, a, you're going to make the game on Dreamcast. Like, how many people were on the team at the time? Uh, it was, like, at, that was, like, when it was conceived. Um, I was, like, 18 years old in my parents' attic, didn't know a dick about programming or anything. My little brother and I were like, who, let's make a Dreamcast game, because because we we gotten into like the Dreamcast homebrew scene, we got a Dreamcast. We're like, oh my god, this is amazing! And we're googling something like downloading ROMs or something, and we found out that like these crazy motherfuckers reverse engineered the Dreamcast, and they're producing like their own games for this and their own emulators. And like it was just, I just remember like just being so inspired. Like holy shit, man! Like we could do this. We could make our own games. And like. I, I became really active in that scene, and that I, I taught myself C and C++ at, at 14 in the Dreamcast scene to specifically make games for the Dreamcast. And this is your first one? Yes. yes. Well, I've, ha I've had, like, you know, side projects, like a couple smaller projects before this, but, like, no nothing like this. Okay, one of the questions that uh, people were asking was... Uh, how do they get into making Dreamcast games? I guess how do you how do they start learning if you they had to? Uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, there's some there's some really good sites. Like DCEmulation.org was the site that I grew up on. There's a lot of really smart guys there, and and basically what you need to do is you sign up for the forums. You can ask questions, whatever. Follow the tutorials. Download the Dreamcast Toolchain and Chaos Callisti OS library. That's like the homebrew Dreamcast pseudo operating system API that we developed. It's not Sega's dev kit. It's like the homebrew scenes dev kit from reverse engineering. And it, it has examples. You can see how to get input. You can see how to render polygons, you know. And, and from there, you can start, like, piecing things together and making your own little demos and then, and then post back on the forums when you need help. That's, that's really how it all started for me. Um, another question: Why do you guys decide the Dreamcast and not the Sega Genesis? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I'll let you answer that, Tyler. 
there's a first of all, I, I do love the Sega Genesis. Don't get me wrong. Um, there, there's just so much that we wouldn't be able to do, um, especially with like a kind of how the games evolved. I mean, you know, we're really lucky that we were able to um, do a lot of this stuff on the Dreamcast, um, especially with, with Falco's expertise. Uh, there wouldn't have been possible. I think we probably would have outgrown right. the Genesis. Well, yeah, and we would have had to have like cut ourselves short for a project. With, with our current vision, there is no way that this could be on a console older than the Dreamcast. Like we no already, way. we are literally going to be pushing the Dreamcast to the absolute limits. We have. I, I grew up like with coding with another guy on the Dreamcast who like. Yeah, I, I'm really good. Like I'm in graduate school for this kind of low level development, but I swear to God, this motherfucker reads the tech documents before he goes to bed. Like, he knows things that, like, were not used in commercial Sega games, you know, that he's helping us do to, like, help give ES that extra edge. And, they're, like, bump mapping was never really used in a commercial game. That's true. Yeah. So, like, we, we're trying to, like, unlock this kind of shit on the Dreamcast. Like, no one has really seen this this level of that the console before. It's so, like, literally, we're pushing it to limits. Plus, what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do soundtrack and music-wise with the Dreamcast <laughs> Genesis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You guys are being published by uh, Watermelon, right? Yes. And how, how does that feel, like, working with them? Dude, uh, man, it felt great. So, like, I've always been a fan of uh, Pure Solar. Like, I knew it came out for Mega Drive. I supported their Kickstarter as soon as I saw it. My Dreamcast version is on the way. I can't wait. And I, I just always kind of like, I've, I've been a fan, like just kind of in the background watching them. And uh, one day I got a, a message from Tulio, the, uh, the president of Watermelon. He reached out to us and, and apparently we've been mutual fans of each other's works. Apparently he's been watching Adventures in Game Development, you know, and it's like he, he likes what we're doing. He likes where we're going. Like he understands us creatively. And, and he said like, he'd like to work with us and he'd be willing to offer us a publishing deal. And honestly, it, it really just made sense to us, you know, we, we both, like, respect each other's work, like, we're both, you know, he, they're more of, like, a, an old-school RPG, we're more of, like, a modern take, you know, but yeah. it really goes together, like, almost, like, it feels almost kind of like a, a an indie Square Enix kind of deal to me, like, I don't know, we've, we've talked to them a lot, and they're just, like, amazing people who, like, I've never felt so supported by anyone in the scene, you know, like, they can totally be, like, they definitely get it. Yeah, they they understand us, which meant a lot to us. You know, they didn't just be like, "Oh, like we want to publish your game because like we can make money." Like they they totally get like what we're trying to do here, and and I think they they respect our work and we respect their work. Have you guys been talking about packaging? Uh, yes, uh, a bit. Yes, yes. So, uh, have you guys decided if it's going to be one version or are you guys going to do like a your UK packaging and a US packaging for differences? Uh, I, I don't know for sure, but I want to say that we are going to do different ones. I, I know I talked to Tulio about this a while ago, but I don't remember exactly what he said. Because yeah, he's he's all about attention to detail. I think we, we had him he on the is. podcast. Oh, he absolutely is, man. Like, he you was... can tell talking to this guy, man. Yes. And authentic, man. He wants it to be authentic. Like, when, when you buy Elysian Shadow for the Dreamcast, it's like, it's like you went to fucking Walmart in 2000 and, like, bought Sonic Adventure 2 off the shelf. Like, that's how it's packaged. It's the real deal. That's, yeah, that's a, what they're all about. And that's why I like them. I mean, that's yeah. why a lot of people stand behind their product. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's why we do, too. So. 
Yeah, I was just, inspiring to us. Um, one of the questions that always gets asked, I've seen, was uh, what's going to be the main differences between the Dreamcast version and the other versions that you guys Oh, oh God, okay. That's a hella loaded question, man. Because like I said, <laughs> like, like I said, like honestly, like it. We have a Dreamcast build that, like, as we're developing it, like you say, you're allocating textures, like Tyler's writing scripts, like shit out fireballs and stuff. Like, I have a check in there. You run out of texture RAM, and it's like just you keep playing the game, and like shit's just not textured beyond that point. I mean, that's that's how like often we are like hitting the edge of what the Dreamcast can do. So, like, fundamentally, we're working within this threshold. Like, it's still, we still aren't exactly sure how much of the dynamic lighting engine we'll be able to pull off on it. We're going to try our absolute hardest. Part of our engine is assembly optimized with uh, SH4 assembly, the special 128-bit instructions, things like that. We, we're going to try out the bump mapping. We want it to be very close the PC. So Which is, it, it, the PC version, I assume, is going to be the best version. Uh, yeah, well, it depends because I'll, I'll go into more after that. So <laughs> uh, graphically, I guess you could say that. I mean, it will have like the the full shaders per pixel. So the Dreamcast can do all of the lighting, I do believe, but it will be per vertex instead of per pixel. So that that's the difference. The lighting there won't it won't be quite as accurate as it will be on the PC. But I believe that if we can pull off the bump mapping, which honestly is, is the biggest part of, like, what's making it look so different and so next-gen and, and what I really think will, like, make ES stand out as a 2D game, I really think that there's a good chance we'll be able to pull that off in the Dreamcast. But, but like I said, this is, like, uncharted territory. Like, we've, you ha there hasn't really been a game release, like, playing with this stuff, like, in a game environment, you know, like, there's tech demos and stuff, sure, like, the Dreamcast can do it, you know, but can it do it with, like, physics, AI, 50 million other polygons on screen, lights, you know, you yeah, never know like until, until you get to that point. Nintendo, but, like, there was no other interaction with it beyond that. Huh? But, but I will say this, that, like, even, even if the graphics are not, like, exactly like the PC, even if they're damn close, we are committed to doing things like VMU minigames. We want... Uh, platform-specific quests. We, we want to give you a reason to play on all of the platforms. And we've talked about having a, a save file tool to where you can easily, like, move your save file across any platform that we release on. That's something we really want to do. So, like, maybe for, like, some super fucking epic armor, like, you have to get an item from, like, every platform or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting. So you guys are going to work on VMU minigames? Yes, we would, we would definitely love to do that. And honestly, man, I own every Dreamcast peripheral there is. I'm sure at some point I will, like, dick off and find some way to put the Samba Maracas and the fucking Elysian Shadows. Like, don't put it past me. I will totally do <laughs> fishing, The fishing controller? Uh, dude, I will totally do it. I will totally do it. So, like, uh, yeah, we are very, yeah, we're very much, like, and I, I grew up playing with these peripherals. You know, like, it's, it's not hard to, like, to add them into like mini games or something that that the PC would have used with something else. And, and another thing that's kind of cool with development on the Dreamcast, the way we've done the drivers, uh, we're we're supporting the Dreamcast keyboard 100%, and it, it's literally mapped to exactly what the PC keyboard controls are. So like, I guess if you're more into like the PC controls and you move to the Dreamcast, you can use your Dreamcast keyboard 
or you can map keys and stuff like that for spells. We're not quite sure exactly how we want to do that yet, but that's definitely a possibility. Another that's possibility. pretty cool. Um, so the Dreamcast version is going to be the only one with a physical packaging? Actually, uh, as, as, of, as of literally two hours ago, I... Oh, yeah. Let's just say things are in discussion. I don't want to say too much. But, <laughs> but, yes, things are cooking right now, and that may not actually be the case anymore. We're really excited. that. So, yeah, don't count that's, on that anymore. That's a good thing. Yeah, um, literally, as of two hours ago, the, my response to that has changed. <laughs> um, we're, we already talked about the battle engine in the game. Uh, do you guys want to go more into detail about... It's not going to be turn-based. It's going to be... Absolutely, man. We can yeah. talk all about the battle engine. It's going to be a like a live action. Um, like I said, probably one of the best examples will kind of be um, like Secret of Mana um, or Legend of Zelda. Um, you know, but you will have uh, classes, like I said, with like spells. You're actually able to like shoot a fireball into the environment. Um, and then you know, if you miss an enemy and say it hits like a tree or a barrel or something, you know, it'll blow that barrel up um, using the rigid, rigid body physics right, and actually right. shatter the barrel. Um, or you'll catch the tree on fire, and you know it'll it'll damage the environment. We can dynamically change the map like that. Um, we true interactivity in the environment like that. Yeah, we like when we designed like the battle engine. We had this like this vision of like full rigid body physics really playing like a huge role into it, where like you could pick up things and like throw them and kick them, or like you're about to die fighting a boss, you can drop a fucking potion out of your inventory in one last desperate attempt and fucking smack him in the face with it and maybe it shatters and it's super effective for some reason you're like oh shit and you kill him yeah. or like your spells might magnetize like metallic objects towards you like we very much are playing with like incorporating physics into the the gameplay the battle engine uh, um, puzzles things yeah. like that and so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you when you go in the menu and you get the the potion uh, do you have to press start or something and then open up a new menu? Oh, you what the <laughs> Gameplay engineer? Well, tell again, um, kind of what we did, uh, Superman being a big inspiration and not really even having like a uh, GUI system quite yet, um, I pulled the Seager of Mana like item wheel pretty much out of my asshole entirely in Lua. Um, and uh, all the items that we've been creating so far, it just exists at that level. Uh, we really liked like... Um, like in Fantasy Star Online, you know, you did have a couple shortcut buttons like that where yeah, you can move different abilities. Um, but then you also were able to, like, kind of toggle quickly using, um, like, the Y button to get to a deeper menu um, and get to, like, uh, something you may not have mapped without actually having to open up, you know, start and go all the way to this and that. Because um, we wanted it to be really immersive, really action-packed. Um, I mean, you're, you're in this, this giant world where you're having to explore and fight these creatures and people and it's all about the exploration, the interaction, the immersion. I mean, we've got day-night system. You know, time will pass, um, and you'll actually be able to see different NPCs and creatures kind of going about their lives different times of the day too. Right. Very Shinmu influenced. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh dude, we, we love Shinmu. Might be some sailors in the ES, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. Might, That's you good. Might find Landy in there, chilling in <laughs> nice. a bar or something. Um, Dude, if, if you don't mind, like if, if I can add one more thing to that, uh, the, the battle engine and the, the basic gameplay mechanics, I'm not sure if people have seen this, but uh, as of Adventures in Game Development Chapter 25, like we, we were looking for ways to really 
we like games like Secret of Mana, but we feel like they're a little too clunky and like PSO. We wanted to find ways to make combat more action-oriented without becoming like a button-mashing kind of game. And so we actually we played around, and we really like it, with uh, implementing actually platforming mechanics into our 2D RPG. So now you can jump and run and dash and skid and do, do things like from like freaking Mega Man X and like in a 2D RPG. And, and it, it, it's really like it's added another level of depth and strategy to uh, combat. And it's, it's really opened up environmental exploration into a third dimension because now, you know, you can climb on barrels and like make your way to a secret on the roof, you know, or something that, that otherwise would have been outside of your reach. So... A good example of that would be like Mario RPG, the way they did that. We we really liked the way that they that was a little platforming influence. Um, uh, well, yeah, but my other question was going to be, uh, you guys said that you guys could like just put a potion out and ho and use a magic item, and then hopefully it works. Like try you know try to have the player try new things. Is yeah. there like uh, items you pick up that you don't know what they do? And the and the user has to like try to use them, or is everything kind of detailed already? Well, like a lot of the puzzles and stuff like that, you know, we've kicked around a lot of different ideas of, um, you know, you're going down into these like ancient ruins and whatnot, and um, some of them are pretty futuristic. You're not really sure what a lot of that stuff will do, and like to kind of figure it out. I mean, you may have to get like some of these crates and move them over here and see if like it'll depress this button or something like that. Um, you know, and we've even like uh, talking about like blowing up that tree or, or catching on fire, you know, you can go pick up a stick, like say your sword broke or you didn't have a weapon or for whatever reason, you know, you just pick up an environment object like that and wield it and like proceed to beat the crap out of something with a stick you picked up, um, you know, just to see like, what it would do at that point, you know. Can you uh, give me a, a, like, an example of the strangest weapon you guys could have in the game? <laughs> Oh wow! Oh, we, oh man, we we've thought of some crazy shit. The enemies themselves. The what? Yeah, yeah, the enemies themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like <laughs> in, I mean, I mean, every character, every enemy is a fully simulated, rigid body existing in two D and three D space. To where like when you hit an enemy, he actually flies back with like inertial uh, transmission and 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 his moment of inertia being taken into account, and it, as, as, like, as a real force application, you can knock enemies back, you can pick them up and throw them into each other if they're small. So, I mean, beating the shit out of an enemy with another enemies, that's a pretty weird uh, weapon, I would say. Well, it also depends on your strength. If you're, the stronger you are, the, the more dense of an item you can, you can pick right. up and whatnot, too. So something that we thought was really cool that we we played around with in I think Adventures Game Development Chapter Twenty Four I don't know they all blur to me because like <laughs> yeah. never sleep during all of them was uh, um, the spell where where we were we were playing around with masking different items flagging them as as like metallic or wooden or or things like that and we had spells that would like magnetize metallic objects to where you could suck them into you. And then once they're around you, you could shoot them out like as a, as a, all directional attack. Yeah, yeah, and and we think that's that's really cool. That's that's kind of like a strange new like take on magic. That's yeah. pretty cool. I like that. That's Magneto. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, we have a reader question. Uh, it says for Android, aka uh, Oya. Yes. Uh, I always say the name wrong. 
Um, yeah. Will the game be scaled down compared to the iOS, Dreamcast, and PC? Damn, dude, you guys <laughs> have some good questions, man. Oh, my God. It's funny you asked that. Actually, we have some really big news for the Oya, and, like, well, I guess you'll be the first podcast to know. We've, uh, we just moved the engine over um, as of literally a couple of days ago, like a couple all-nighters, and boom, shit's running on the, on the Ouya. Um, maybe I'm saying it wrong. That's going to sound bad. Uh, we, we've been in discussion with the uh, um, development relation team to uh, help us promote ES, like tell them, look, we're coming to your console, like we're, we're very interested in, in being active in your scene, and they've been very receptive of us, you know, like... We are, we're looking to do, like, podcasts with them. We're looking to incorporate uh, the Ouya brand into our Adventures in Game Development series as, like, now we'll be checking on that build with the Dreamcast, like, to where they're, like, concurrent. Yeah. So, uh, actually, like, now is a good time. So, initially, when we first got the engine on the Ouya, yeah, they, it definitely had, had some performance issues. But, it honestly, I believe... That it should not be scaled back compared to the end, compared to the PC, and if it is, it won't be scaled back considerably. I will say that it, it should still look really good. the The only thing that like I'm seeing right now is the per pixel lighting, it is the biggest one right now. But I really like I I'm in graduate school for like GPU programming and like computer architecture and hardware optimizations. So, like my ego is hurt so badly when I'm like. Yeah, we can't do it on this platform, you know. It's like, well, I, we will try <laughs> our goddamn hardest to make it happen. So what's the difference between uh, making an... It's, uh, Oya is basically Android, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely some differences in, like, the tool chain, the build process, like, how you bundle assets, things like that. There there are differences in the, the, uh, the GPU itself, uh, Specs do vary between like Droid devices and the Ouya. For the most part, yes. Like the the Ouya came, I want to say, quote for free with the Droid build. For the most part, but if if you want like, if if you have a serious game though, it will require some performance tweaking, especially on the, the GPU side. Yeah, the, and the shaders are always <laughs> like e ES is a very GPU intensive game for for the shaders because of what we're doing with like the two D stuff. Um, the next question was um, okay. Tell us about the story in the game. Oh <laughs> God! We've been uh, talking about the game, but we haven't. Who talked wants about to do that? Like this, this is always hard for us, man. Because it's like okay, we then have to, we have to tell you something without really telling you anything. So we can't like spoil the story, but like, yeah. who wants to give like a like an overview? Anyone want to step well, up? I know, I know it, but I've been trying to keep myself out of it as much as I can as not to spoil it for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I know. Then, then you're the best because then I, I can't accidentally spoil right. Connor, Tyler. <laughs> um, I'm in, man. I, no I nominate we, Tyler. We, we were uh, heavily influenced by um, a little game uh, called Mega Man Legends. Um, the, I guess, overarching theme of the game um, is uh, there's a lot of uh, like ruins scattered all throughout the world. Um, and you work for a local museum um, that you've seen in a lot of our screenshots. Um, and actually, we kind of spoofed uh, Chrono Trigger's Millennial Fair with what we've called like the, the Diggers Convention. It's a, a gathering of these uh, like-minded individuals that like to go exploring to these ruins and, and finding this ancient technology that's been buried underground. And uh, 
there also it comes with. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think how I can say this. So, so basically, like the the world itself is is caught in conflict between magic and technology. Yeah. So so magic is bestowed upon people of faith. Like religious people are the only people who can use magic because it's it's like it's a gift from the creator. It's it's a it's a signal of faith. And the the other sects of of humanity, people who who rely more on like technology, scientists, archaeologists, uh, the museum kind of people, the explorers. Those mm -hmm. people are more on the technological side, who who find like technology in the ruins. You know, they don't have like the ability to use magic. They have to to look to technology to get through their lives, and they they're actually looked down upon by these uh, the magic users because in in their minds they're heretics. Why? Why do you need technology when when the power of magic is could be gifted to you, you know, for your faith? Like, why are you meddling in this? Why are you why are you pursuing science and this kind of knowledge? Why are you why are you dicking off in these ancient ruins when like everything you need is right here? And and so that that's like part of the the overarching theme. And and you play as a character named Julian who is associated with the. Uh, he is a digger, which means like he's an explorer who who excavates these ancient ruins. Which, by the way, no one truly knows what the fuck these ruins are. They're just accepted as part of the uh, landscape of the world. Yeah, I mean. it, it, it's accepted. Like that's that's how the world is. No one's quite sure how they are. But but he excavates these ruins. That's what he does. He works for a museum for a living. And uh, towards the beginning of the game, you find an artifact or you find something in these ruins that really changes the, the balance. <laughs> of the magic versus technology fight and really takes it up to the next level and you you find yourself really thrown in head first in this conflict between these two sects of society. Nice, nice. That's a good explanation without giving anything away. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, hopefully hopefully like you're intrigued and confused as shit. I, I, it's pretty interesting. I like it. I was going to say um, this is a question for each one of you. What's your favorite character in the game? Jesus, um, that's a good fucking question. Dude. Yeah, damn. I don't know if we've actually released names. Start off, bro. Yeah. Well, fuck it, man. We'll release characters now, just because it's like, okay. Right. Uh, I'll start then. My favorite character is uh, he will be your third party member. I don't think we've ever fucking released <laughs> this. His name is Rand, but he calls himself Randificus Buntelufagus the Great. Basically, <laughs> this guy is he's a a professor of like runes and and uh, archaeology. He's renowned for his work for excavating these ruins. He's a he's a leading scientist in this, but he's also a decadent train wreck piece of shit. He's drunk, like he is the prodigal professor. Like everyone is like, oh my god, this motherfucker. But he's <laughs> he's, he's brilliant though. He's he's kind of like a house house MD kind of character, you know, like. He has he has inner demons and substance abuse problems, but but he's amazing at what he does, and, yeah. and that, that that's like a character that like really hits home with me, and, and we really like I, I really like what we've done with like his dynamics, especially with the rest of the team, and and using him kind of as comedic relief for the game, like in the, in the dark portions of the game, kind of he is like pretty dark himself. Like I I just really like what we've done with this character. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, that obviously would have been my answer too. I was trying to answer it for you first. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, my favorite character is actually going to be um, the daughter of the museum owner that you work for. 
Um, her name is Erin. Um, and unlike most uh, female leads in, in a lot of games that uh, I guess we kind of got used to that stereotype growing up, um, she is not a, a weak female lead. She's not a uh, overly sexualized female lead. And uh, she's very strong. I think like like Tomb Raider, Laura Croft, um, that kind of, of, of really like in your face, right alongside you throughout the whole adventure. Like you know you can depend on her. Um, she's very very smart. I mean her father runs the museum, so she her knowledge and that really helps you out like really early in the game. Um, but she also really pushes the main character a lot too because. Um, the, the main character is a little bit of a lazy sack of shit sometimes, um, and she just, just pushes him, like, like, seriously, like, get out of bed, like, you know, we, we've got, like, father needs us there, like, you know, really kind of helps keep him on track, so. Nice. Connor? Yeah. Uh, the, the very first person I thought of when uh, you asked that was Rand, so I have to go with <laughs> that, but uh, there's a, a cameo character that I had brought up once, and Tyler had already thought of putting that in the game somewhere. Oh, is this who I think it is? I'm, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't say it, but Tyler probably knows exactly what I'm talking oh, yeah, about. Yeah, I know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's a lot, like, we can't talk about it, but there's some really cool, awesome oh, stuff. Do we, like, we... Ton we, of Easter eggs. And, 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 ton of Easter eggs, ton of cameos, like, we salute a bunch of, like, games that we fucking love. Like, we want people to, like... To be like, oh, I see what they did there. Like, we, we want that reaction from a, a lot of ES. That's funny as shit that you said. Yeah, but, but I would pick uh, Rand uh, as far as, like, the main characters go. How about Daniel? Is Daniel still here? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm torn between uh, the hero Julian and Erin, mainly because of the reasons that Tyler mentioned about Erin. She's kind of Julian's cane. She keeps him up. Um, but I'm really partial to a protagonist uh, especially with Julian, the growth from the start of the game throughout. Um, plus, you know, everyone's seen him, everyone knows who he is. He's been kind of in everyone's vision since, what, chapter 21, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe. I believe. Yeah. The character's been redesigned a couple times. Yeah. So, how many chapters are you guys aiming for in the game? Uh, in, um, the, in the game or, or in the YouTube series, like, making... Oh, them? I mean, I mean uh, how many levels or, I mean, I guess... Are you guys doing oh, chapters oh, per oh. section or how are you guys oh, doing this? Well, uh, mm -hmm. the YouTube series is just, like, whenever, like, every couple weeks, whatever. Whenever we have enough, like, footage of us developing a game that we, we upload it to, to YouTube. But the game itself is broken into uh, seven major ruins which I don't want to go too deep into that, but, but that could be analogous to, like, temples in uh, in a game like Zelda or Ocarina of Time. Like Super Mario RPG. Super Mario RPG, that's a, that's a good one, too. I, I, might, I, I might as well ask the whole question right here, because this is a reader question. Uh, how big is the gaming world, and how long will it take to explore all of it? That's a really good question, because we're not fans of having an overworld. Um... Uh, like what we were talking about with Bravely Default, it's going to take quite some time to, to actually drive. We want a huge world. Like, that was something we wanted. We we were very much, like, wanting to reward the player for exploration, and, and exploration, we feel like, is one of, like, the core mechanics of the game. I mean, as making it interesting. Yeah, as you get these different spells, like, say, um, like that fireball spell, you know, being able to maybe either kind of blow up a wall you couldn't get past through before or burn down some... 
uh, trees or shrubs you couldn't get past before or something like that. I mean, you can always go back later and also um, find areas you couldn't access. Yeah, previously. like like, like Metroid-y kind of stuff or, or yeah. Mega Man kind of stuff. There's always reasons to, to, to explore, to revisit, to when you get abilities to experiment with them like that. But um, it's going to be a huge world. We've actually got several uh, continents planned. Um, and when we originally first started designing um, all the different main locations in the game, uh, we kind of gathered up um, a bunch of different type of biomes that we really wanted to make sure we represented, um, you know, with our own unique flair and feel to them, um, and they will have true place in the world. Nice. Um, what are you guys aiming for on the rating? Ha! <laughs> 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 uh, you're going to get we? different answers from all of us because... Uh, Considering some of the stuff I'm doing for the game, and then what other people are doing for the game, and how we all work together is a little Connor, different. Connor is gonna say it's rated X, like a fucking porn, or the or classic porn. This is a pornography Patrick, game. Patrick's okay. like sitting there, like drawing nude anime hentai of like the fucking main <laughs> characters and shit. Uh, I think we would be somewhere between T and M, honestly, personally. That's yeah. what I think. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, it it is. It it's, it's a game for adult oriented. Like it, it is a game for people who grew up playing these two D RPGs, but they're looking for something with, with more depth to it, more uh, a storyline with more relevance, a story that's more relatable. You know, like we we've put a lot of like time and effort into creating believable, relatable characters. It's very story driven and dialogue. Not I don't want to say dialogue driven, but that there's a lot of attention paid to dialogue and the way that different characters interact. We, we really wanted it to be to have a lot of depth as far as that goes, and and with that, and with like just who we are and our influences, like it, it's not really like a child's game. Although, like I'd like to think that they would totally like it because like the gameplay itself is fun. But I, I think I think it would it would take more of like a uh, a more mature mind to to appreciate like our world and our story and our tale that we're trying to tell here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm planning on um, getting my little brother a copy of the game. I'd let him play it. Oh, um, yeah, my 10-year-old brother? Yeah, oh, my, my little brother. Um, you know, but he uh, he probably wouldn't pick up on some of the, the, the darker dialogue or, like, obviously, if you don't do all of the exploration, you're not going to run across all of the uh, instances of some of the stuff that we may tuck away that might be a, a little more dark, but... So, um... One of the reader questions was uh, what your favorite Dreamcast games were. So I guess we could go down the row. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, dude. First of all, Samba de Amigo. Like, I spent so many hours playing that goddamn game. Dude, I am a master of the Maracas. It's, it's a freaking great game. On super hard mode, like, I can do everything, man, with the Maracas. Like, that's, that game has gotten me laid before. I fucking... <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> I love PSO. I love Shenmue. Oh, like, yeah, um, dude, there are so many games on the Dreamcast I just fucking love. Like, th those are big ones. Sonic Adventure, obviously, is amazing. I still listen to that fucking soundtrack every goddamn day, like in the car. You, you, you <laughs> gotta have a you gotta have a Samba the Amigo mini game in the game. Dude, oh my god, we are playing. Never mind. Delay the whole game. <laughs> We were planning on that. We were. Oh. Yeah, actually, that I I had planned on that for a long time. That's funny as shit. <laughs> well, fuck spoilers. Nice. Well, the, people will like you when they play it. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. 
So how about you, Taylor? Um, my actually first game for the Dreamcast was Res. Um, nice. That was one of my favorite games for God, years. It still is. I think it's in my Dreamcast right now. Um, Skies of Arcadia was uh, another game that really um, kind of hit home with me. Um, you know, I think. Yeah, I forgot uh, about those. Yeah, Skies of Arcadia. Um, uh, of course, uh, you know, the Sonic Adventures. Those are just wow, ages classics. I love the Sonic Adventure series. How about you, Connor? Uh, well, this is going to be a shocker, but uh, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, Resident Evil Cobronica, no, no. the, Dark, the New Nightmare, Carrier, Ill Bleed, uh, D2. What do you think about uh, Code Veronica? Because, I mean, that was a, I oh, guess, a exclusive at the time. Dude, I loved Code Veronica. Yeah, Code oh, Veronica. Gates. Code Veronica is some sexy shit, man. Dude, that shit was better on the Dreamcast than the PS2, I swear to God. Yeah. I played them side by side. Like, PS2 could do lighting properly for him. Although, Steve Burnside is a little, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Hey, at least he dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, spoilers, my bad. <laughs> How about you, Daniel? Uh, honestly, I played House of the Dead 2 first. That was the very oh, first yeah. game I played. Um, played the hell out of that. After that, it was uh, Resident Evil 2. Played the hell out of that. And then I really got into Virtual On. I don't know if you ever played that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after that, uh, the indie game Last Hope, which is ridiculously difficult, but I really got into that as well. I don't know you played Last Hope. Man. Nice. I bought it. I, I got it when it came out. Nice. The Typing of the Dead. I forgot about that. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you got to play Typing of the Dead, dude. I love that. I, I learned more playing that than I did in like, keyboard class in high school and middle school. Like that, yeah, that's why I'm the typer I am today. <laughs> Out of fear. I actually got really good at typing when I was doing IRC rooms on uh, Dreamcast. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Threading people, all that good stuff. <laughs> um, so, uh, Connor, you're doing the soundtrack. Uh, can you can you list, like, five games that probably expire, in, inspired you to for your track for your tunes for this game? Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2. <laughs> Resident Evil 3, Resident Evil 4, and then no 5? No, not not five. Uh, <laughs> no, we'd kick him off the team if he said five. <laughs> okay, okay. I was going to say... Zombies in Africa aren't scary? Apparently no. not. Um, not I was going to say, um, since you also said that you were going to do other musical genres, not video game, what kind of genres are you thinking of adding? Uh, well, when the boss battles come in, there's definitely going to be like a little bit of... Not not like heavy metal, but it's gonna be heavy. Like it's gonna be yeah. actiony. It's gonna have power and stuff, you know. So like slow, slow sludgy stuff or uh, more high paced. Yeah, it depends on the boss battle. I want it. I want it to complement the the what the artists have done and and then the uh, gameplay that Tyler and uh, Daniel put in and stuff. So. So what what kind of heavy metal bands are influencing you? Uh, I don't list. I used to listen to heavy metal a lot when I was younger. Not so much anymore because I don't like as many bands anymore, but uh, Rotting Christ is by far my favorite heavy metal band. I like Ramstein. Uh, I like Metallica. Hey, they're uh, not heavy metal, but you better mention Depeche Mode, I swear to God. <laughs> you gotta why, say Depeche Mode. Why would I say Depeche Mode when we're talking about heavy metal? Bro, they don't have to be heavy metal. They just, Bro, brilliant. it's Depeche Mode. They're in every genre. They are, man. It's Depeche Mode. 
and, and, okay, all all the Pesh mode with Alan Wilder. I'm a huge fan of. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> we're about to get in a huge fight here. I know, I know. I need to calm it down. <laughs> but anyways, uh, for the uh, like the five uh, soundtrack composers, I guess was what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Musical artists. It doesn't have to be soundtracks. Okay, well, uh, I'll try and keep it within soundtracks, anyways, because I, I'll forget an artist and I'll get mad at myself later. Um, Akira Yamaoka, my favorite musician, bar none. That guy is amazing. Uh, Resident Evil soundtracks, obviously. Uh, Chrono Trigger is, I mean, Yatsunori uh, Mitsuda uh, is awesome. Uh, Yoko Shimomura, who did Parasite Eve and Super Mario RPG and then Xenogears and stuff. And uh, fifth, Recoil, because Alan Wilder's in it. There you go. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, my other question is, are you guys going to sell the soundtrack separately? Or oh, yeah. The plans? Okay. Yes. And it will be a Kickstarter reward. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So it's going to be part of your reward on the Kickstarter, which... Yep, we, oh, which, we have a lot first. of rewards planned, yes. You could plug in the date right now. Like, what day is it going to be on? Uh, it is coming August 1st, officially. Real-time counts are on the website. Yep, and we have the, a real-time counter counting down to, uh, to the launch of the Kickstarter. So uh, I also heard that you guys uh, are going to launch it on Dreamcast and Iowa oh, Oya Oya first. Uh yes yeah so so well it first it will be Dreamcast Ouya um, Windows Linux and Mac and then once those are out we will be focusing on so, so we're going to have obviously like stretch goals to bring this this game to other platforms like. We're looking at like the 3DS, the Vita, the Xbox One, the Wii U, those those kinds of guys. Like, when once we have secured like the first batch, the first release, which will be Dreamcast and Ouya release for the consoles, and then of course like PCs, uh, we'll, we'll like shift our focus to getting it running on on the stretch goal consoles and and, and those platforms. That's good. Um, my next question is uh, somebody asked um. Why do you think there's more? Uh, this is a reader question. Why do you think there's a such a big indie scene on the Dreamcast compared to other consoles that have been like hacked or, or at least they could release games? You know, man, like that's a that's a really good question. But I like, do, as someone who grew up in the Dreamcast scene, like there's just something about that console, like the games that came out for it, like. A lot of those games were like groundbreaking. The graphics were groundbreaking. It was the first console to go online. The fucking controller has a goddamn screen on it. Like the VMU's like a fucking Game Boy. Like there's 50 million like peripherals. Where like it just it did so much stuff right that like to me was like the the step that I thought that the the PS2, the Xbox, and GameCube generation. Like I really feel like the Dreamcast in my mind was like the fucking whether it died first or not, I, I feel like that was really what that fucking generation represented. And I, I just remember, like, growing up, like, I used to walk, like, from my house to, like, the local, the local game store, like, to fucking buy, like, secondhand peripherals for my Dreamcast, like, rumble packs, like, new controllers, fishing rods, and, like, I couldn't wait to, like, walk home and, like, fuck with them developing on the Dreamcast. Like, oh, I figured out how the fishing rod works, and, like, I don't know, man. It it just has so much. Like it's got the feels. That's like that's the only way I know to put it, man. It's, it's, I, th I think one of the reasons is because other consoles got to live live out and then get replaced, 
Whereas Dreamcast had so much potential, it was so ahead of its time, That's but true. it didn't get its chance to shine. So everybody That's who true. loves the console wants it to stay alive and, and watch it shine, you know? Yeah, that was a good response. I'm going to steal that next time. <laughs> yeah, put that in quotes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, um, oh, what's your guys' personal uh, things you guys hate about, like, cliches and RPGs? Oh, my God. I know this is going to be a big question. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, a lot of, like, JRPGs, like, what did I play a while ago? Like, Grandia, like, I can't fucking... You know, because they really piss me off is, like, when the, the RPG tries to... When, like, a fantasy game tries to get too emotional, like, too quickly, like... Like, like, oh my god, like, I lost my family, like, the world's going to hell, like, the characters are all fucking crying and shit, and, like... They have not given you, like, enough time to, like, give two fucks about these characters, like, their feelings. Like, you really... I'm sorry, it sounds bad, but, like, you, you really have to develop the character, and you have to, like, encourage the player to care. But yeah, exactly. You have to give them a reason to care, and, like, nothing turns me off more than, like, the cognitive dissonance of, like, me not giving two fucks about the plight of, like, the people I'm playing as. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's, that's my biggest thing. Uh, probably one of the... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say you should, you should go next. Um, Falco will agree with me on, on this uh, little pet peeve here is uh, you know, with all the exploration that we're going to have in the game, um, not being able to go into doors or like these oh, houses and structures oh. but you cannot go in them and there's no reason to. It's not like, oh, this door's locked, come back later. It's like this door is a, a wall. I mean, it's to oh, keep you know, within the bounds of the level or something yeah. like that. Um, you know, there's a bunch of bookshelves or papers all over a table you go up to, you can't read it, you can't inspect it, you, you don't get to learn anything about the people living in these environments, um, you know, even even being, like, outside, like, you might find, like, a, like a hole in a tree or, like, um, just all kinds of random stuff like that, I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to interact with the things you see on the screen. Like, it's, like, destroying all incentive you have to, like, explore really? the environment when, like, you're not rewarded or, like... You can't, you, for some reason, like, half the houses in this town are not enterable, you know, like, stuff like that, it, it turns me off, too, and, and that's something we've, like, absolutely oh, not on ES. Like, every, if there's a fucking door, it needs to lead somewhere. How about you, Connor? Uh, I can't really think of any cliches, but something I don't like about RPGs is when uh, they're made, but they don't have, like, something that, that separates them from other RPGs. So, like, Harry Potter on Game Boy Color, both of them I absolutely love. Just the art style is, is really weird and is different than other RPGs, and that makes it really good, even though it's not the greatest game in the world. But it's really interesting. But then I play other RPGs, and they're just they're all the same. It's just, oh, fire, water, whatever, and you just fight dudes, and then the game's over, and you don't care. I hate that about RPGs, but when they do something like Super Mario RPG, they do stuff to really stand out, and it's awesome. But I can't think of any cliches. The classes were one thing we were going to try to to avoid the the overly used just black mage, white mage, or thief, warrior kind of thing. The the characters that you get to play as are their own classes, but you do have a mechanic that you be able to take advantage of later to help develop or further specialize them. Um, outside of like I, like I said, like the, the black mage, white mage kind of thing. What about you, Daniel? My main issue is usually dialogue. It kind of ties into what Falco and Tyler were saying. Um, if you can't express the characters in the world through the words on the screen, because that's generally how RPGs are played, especially old school ones, 
right, then you're right. kind of failing, um, especially with characters that, that are similar to buildings that you can't enter. If they're just there, you interact with them, they say nothing, really, that, that, that corresponds to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, the characters. Um, I mean, that's something we, like everything else, we're trying to solve with like a deep story. Every character provides something to the story. If you go and explore somewhere that you've just found that's new, you speak to the characters, they will give you something new that's worthwhile. Um, but that's kind of bit really nice when I play RPGs. Nice. Um, you guys are playing... Okay, the Dreamcast is coming first. When are you guys planning to hopefully finish it? Um, we're looking at a year after the Kickstarter, so we would say August 1st, like, 2015 would be our conservative estimate. That's pretty good. Um, I think that's all the questions I have, actually, today. So, if you guys want to uh, add anything those, in the end... Those were really, those are really good questions. Good questions good. Damn. Like, we just, like, released a lot of shit to you that, like, no one knows right now, <laughs> oh, yeah. so... You Thank have you. exclusive content. <laughs> Thank you. I try to I try to come up with the questions. That was that was that was awesome, man. That was good. Um, I, I just wanted to to let people know that like like things have really been taking off for us. We we've received uh, initial investment in uh, the project, which means I literally just quit my engineering job, my cushy, high paying engineering job, and I'm a, I'm a full time game developer on this team right now, working on this project. But that's pretty good. Oh, it does, man. It does, but it's slightly terrifying because this this initial funding will carry us through to the Kickstarter, which is honestly like when you guys decide like the the, the fate of us. Like we're working our asses off like nonstop till August first, trying to convince you guys that that this this vision we have is is worth your time and it is worth pursuing. So like we we would really appreciate like the help of the community. You know, like help us help us see our dream through, and and we're also like very committed to like. Uh, we have some really cool uh, rewards and goals in mind for the Kickstarter, and we've always been open with our audience. Like, if you guys have really shit that you want to see in the Kickstarter or, or questions for us, like we're always we're here to answer them. And yeah, you know. on, on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, um, you know, we, we do try to interact with our fans, or you know, people ask us yeah, questions. We're, we're very we're a very open team. I mean, like in ventures and game development, you know everything. <laughs> like, you know how yes. this team works. You see us do it. You see us. Not sleep for two days. You see, like the sacrifices we make, you know. So, so we we've always been very open with our supporters in in that sense. I have a feeling this game will do really good on Kickstarter. Thanks, man. Thank you. Because I've seen some really bad games on there that get funded. So, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think that you know, our game, like, yeah. So that's it for the Swinging Report Show this week. Bye. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. Thank you.